When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. We are right around the corner from the new NHL season. Very, very exciting times to be a fan of the sport and a fan of the Devils in general. And the preseason was, um, you know, not meaningful, but still very exciting and illuminating for where this team is headed. So here to talk about all of that with me, as usual, and I'm Dan Roselle, by the way. This is John Fisher. How's it going, John? It goes pretty well we're finally entering the 2021-2022 regular season uh it starts this week for the nhl and more importantly for our favorite team the team that matters the new jersey devils it starts this friday against the chicago blackhawks at the rock Mm -hmm. it's a later start compared to a lot of other teams in the league but um i don't really mind that given the nature of the injuries that the devils had manifest at the very end or tail end of preseason so before we talk about that john you actually got to experience well you thought you were going to get to experience a preseason game uh, well, against I did the experience, oh yeah against the Islanders. against the I got, islanders yes i yes. got to ex- I, I did experience the washington capitals i got the mason geertsen experience uh, right in front of my face p.s he's not good oh, uh, <laughs> But, but no, the but, Islanders experience, uh, really so good. The power play was just that good again. So here's the weird thing, Dan. I go to the arena, right? Mm-hmm. I'm coming in. I, I come in um, on the Lafayette side. It looks perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. And then as I head towards section one, which is where my seat, normal seat is, it's dark. <laughs> Not so dark that you can't see anything or see where you're going, but it's dark. And you're wondering, okay, this is weird. Then you sit down and you immediately realize my end of the rink, the lower bowl, about a third of the rink lights and the scoreboard were all off. But the rest of the arena looked normal. (laughs) Yeah. So they 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 didn't really like they had pictures of this and it was hard to tell where the lights were off because the game wasn't being broadcast anywhere either. Um, And first of all, it's almost impossible to find now local if you only have online, if you don't pay for a cable subscription of any kind, it is almost impossible to find the local team streaming, which is a whole other issue that we have yet to address. But Mm -hmm. um, that being said, it did not look like it was that much of an intrusion, but it was enough that they couldn't play the game. And so the devils ended at five out of six preseason games played. And the only reason I know that the NHL standard is six is because of the story that came out. Did you hear about this? Uh, The story Uh, that came out again about the Montreal Canadians reporting on the Carolina hurricanes as their petty war continues, um, the fact that they did not play their requisite six preseason games. I mean, neither did the Devils or Islanders, but they're extenuating circumstances. Just so funny 
that those two teams who are not geographical rivals, they are only fighting over these things because of the offer sheet that happened two years ago and that was matched uh, this year. It's it's great. I really love this rivalry. Well, they're going to – I don't think they're going to fight each other for the wild card spot. I think Carolina's probably going to try to win the division and Montreal's going to hope and pray they're in the wild card spot. So yeah. that might – so the extent of the rivalry may continue off the ice with respect to uh, – telling on each other, you know, for the silliest things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the union is not going to grieve missing two preseason games. Yeah, no, no, one no. <laughs> and, and, and with the Islanders and the devils, um, again, as you said, extenuating circumstances, um, you know, the game was supposed to start at seven Oh eight at seven fifty, they announced it, it wasn't happening. And again, having been at the previous game where the whole arena did lose its power, mm-hmm. but that was the whole arena. And that was during a game, um, you know, this is the second time this is something like this has happened at the Prudential Center, but this was only for part of the arena. But still, the, the, the same safety concern comes up, and especially you don't want your final preseason game. Heaven forbid, Jaeger Sharangovich misreads a play because the lights aren't all on, mm-hmm. and he hurts himself somehow, and then he's out for several weeks for something completely, utterly meaningless. And that- so I, 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 I get it, but I understand understand the frustration. Um, you know, I wanted to see a game, but I get it. The people who were probably the most frustrated were the devils who were on the fringe, who got, who basically were given this last opportunity to show themselves mm-hmm. um, and show what they're made up of in the preseason. And there's devils who took advantage of that. In in the five games, it was very easy to see who was standing out and who was not expected to stand out. That really, really made an impact. And unfortunately, you know the way the roster shakes out the way the positions and availability of positions at a given time is also not in the favor of a lot of players um, Mm -hmm. in key moments. And so while Holtz had probably as good a preseason as any, um, as any devils fan could have asked for or hoped for, he was sent down to Utica just because it doesn't really make sense to keep him up when there's no spot for him in the top six. And it's hard to argue that there should be given that it was preseason competition. The devils have established players in the top six already, but you don't want someone like Alex Holtz playing bottom six minutes. You want him playing major minutes for a team. You want him dominating that league and you want him getting a lot of valuable power play experience. So he'll start the season in Utica. And I can't imagine that if things are going well for him, he'll stay there that long. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about a 19 year old. Mm-hmm. Like this is literally like last season, you know, was a really rough one for Holtz. Um, your gardens had a kind of a rough, rough time. And then he jumps over to Binghamton and that's during Binghamton's, you know, COVID shortened really bad last season as an organization playing out of Newark, not even in Binghamton. So it was a rough time for him. Um, I think it, it makes a lot more sense for him to go play somewhere where he can play 16, 17 minutes a night and get top power play minutes and work on his off the ice. Uh, I'm sorry, off the puck play. Mm-hmm. And then provided he does score. And I'm sure he will because, you know, he did light it up against AHL level competition in preseason. So he's, more than capable of handling it, I, I think, um, when the real AHL season starts shortly after the NHL do, mm-hmm. NHL season does. Um, but yeah, and, and we also have to take into account that today was the day where every NHL team has to make their 23-man roster. They have to be compliant to the active roster uh, limit. And Holtz is exempt from waivers, and not too many Devils are exempt from waivers. So mm-hmm. somebody had to go down. He didn't figure into their immediate plans. So start him in Utica. I'm sure we will see him in New Jersey at some point. And for all we know, it'll be a lot sooner than we think. 
Mm-hmm. And with that being said, the other player who definitely made an impression, I would say very quickly on Devils fans and on management apparently, um, is Dawson Mercer. And he looks to have made the team at least to some extent where if they sent him down, it's purely a paper move because they've been factoring him in on the penalty kill. They've been factoring him in in the, um, you know, when they write out the 12 forwards, he always makes it in. He, he's someone who mm-hmm. they are probably overjoyed that they can move Zaka to the wing permanently and have Mercer fill that third line spot. That was the, the Zajac spot when McLeod is perfectly capable for fourth line center, especially with the wingers um, that he's going to have being slightly better than they were last year. Yeah. And it's definitely a big achievement for Mercer. Cause like everyone else in hockey last season, his season was very unusual. You know, the QMJHL did play a season, but it was uh, truncated by short COVID in Mercer's team's case, the Shakutami Sanguines, you know, they had to play in a bubble. So there was definitely lost time due to the pandemic. Uh, but Mercer definitely came into camp. He played fantastic hockey. Like mm-hmm. he played, he played on and off the puck like you would expect out of a veteran player. Mm-hmm. And as such, while Holtz definitely did a lot right, you know, you could tell that the Devils, you know, who is more impressive because you even look at the practice lines from the over the weekend. And Holtz is playing on the fifth line, whereas Mercer is on the third line every time. And even yeah. today, Mercer was slotted in practice, seen next to Thomas Tatar, who's definitely playing, and Andreas Janssen, who's also definitely playing in New Jersey. So, again, as you said, Dan, if he gets moved down to Utica, it's strictly as a paper move. Um, I think he's going to be in the lineup on Friday night, and congratulations to him. He was easily the most impressive player in camp, and ergo, he's earned this opportunity. Yeah, there's no question that he showed some things that people were not expecting to see and that, that they, he showed a lot of real intelligence about his play. He showed a lot of drive. Mm-hmm. He, he was very reminiscent of a lot of um, other successful centers that the Devils have had. And so uh, congratulations to him, really, to just you know reiterate what you said. It's, it's something that is a huge achievement and he earned it there's no question that he earned it there's no question that he was by far the standout player in terms of you know the the ones who weren't supposed to be nhl regulars and now he gets his chance to prove himself and i'm very excited to see what he can do and so let's go through you know they were supposed to release the official roster but the devils are dealing with some injuries and so maybe they um you know maybe they just they're still dealing with the paper transactional part of it all because there's several players that are quote unquote questionable for opening night, but let's just go through going from the goalies out um, what the devil's roster might look like for that opening game Friday and the goalies. The situation is that we know it's Blackwood. We know it's Bernier, uh, even though he's been dealing with some, some maintenance issues and it looks like the third goalie slotted in will be uh, Akira Schmidt. Well, it could be Scott Wedgwood or Wedgwood. Um, yep because he's held technically with New Jersey Schmidt was sent down, but again, yeah. Schmidt does not have to go through waivers. Whereas Wedgwood does. I'm actually a little surprised Wedgwood and some other devils weren't placed on waivers on Sunday, along with a mass wave of uh, waiver placements to meet the Monday requirement, because with waivers, Dan, uh, you, if you clear them, you don't have to be demoted. Mm-hmm. You, you have a little time and 
you know, as we like to say, if you have time, you use it. In the case of Bernier's maintenance issue, you could have put Wedgwood clear him through waivers, but still have him eligible to play on Friday, maybe even next month, next Tuesday, if it needed until Bernier is good to go. And then you could move Wedgwood down as needed. Well, the thing um, is, they want to keep someone up because of the yeah. situation that is the continues to be the elephant in the room that manifests mm-hmm. itself at that game that you were well at that canceled game, but at the game that you yes. were at. Yeah, so Blackwood was originally scheduled to play at least two periods on Thursday. And then about, I would say, an hour or so before the game, he was pulled. And it was going to be Wedgwood and Schmid as the goaltenders. Now, at first, there was some confusion as what happened. Well, it turned out um, when you're not vaccinated per the NHL and the NHLPA's protocols, you have to be tested for COVID every day. Mm-hmm. Well, it turned out he had a positive test, a rapid test. Then they gave him a second test to confirm it, and they found was found was was found to be negative. So ultimately, the results were inconclusive, which means that Blackwood had to get a full test, meaning you have to take the test and send it out to an actual lab. Meaning you have to wait several days to get the results. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of course, during this time period, Blackwood could not participate in practice. He could not participate in games. Um, so he was held out of Thursday's preseason game. He was held out of practice for Saturday. Um, thankfully, the lab test was negative. So Blackwood returned to practice on Sunday. However, this brings, brings up the point that I have made, and you have made, and many Devil fans were frustrated with the situation has made, is that a lot of this could have been avoided if you got the damn vaccine already. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you got the vaccine, you would only have to be tested once every 72 hours. Second, with the vaccine, you're less likely to get it. You could still get it, but you're less likely to get it. And the effects will be lessened in, um, lessened in terms of impact. But, and most importantly, if Blackwood did test positive, if he was unvaccinated, the devils could, would, and should uh, have suspended him without pay per the NHL and the NHLPA's protocols. Whereas if he was vaccinated, he would just be placed on IR and treated like any other injured player ever, meaning he still gets paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, after all this, Blackwood said, you know, I'm leaning towards vaccination, which is like, cool, but can you lean a little harder? Yeah. Uh, you know, you could have done do this it. by now. <laughs> you could have done it now. I just you know, got just get I have three shots before he got his first. <laughs> yeah. And he presumably has better access to people than you and I would because yeah. he plays a professional sport. He has tons of money. Oh, yeah. His mom runs a hospital. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, any number of reasons why, but he hopefully will get it sooner rather than later so he can be through the full course of vaccination by the time it's relevant. Um, Because remember, that deadline theoretically is going to be that weekend in December where um, or that week in December where they go to Canada for the first time to play. And he will not be allowed to cross the border given the current restrictions. And Mm -hmm. I don't really see how they would go away in the winter. Um, when more people are forced indoors, but it's a matter of, okay, like, are you going to be able to be present for these 11 games? And also when they play in places that it's a little more stricter protocols, yeah, the road team isn't subject to the same rules as let's say someone playing in MSG or in, um, in Belmont, New York city, but they do have these rules. And so who knows how those will adapt as time goes on and as things change, the situation is just bizarrely constant and or bizarrely not constant and bizarrely you know adapting every single second it seems but But, yeah but the harsh reality here dan is that the risk is real for blackwood possibly being held out of games Mm -hmm. games plural dan 
even if he's perfectly fine, like perfectly negative, but if he gets these inconclusive tests, let's say next week, for example, the Devils have three games at home, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Let's say before the Tuesday game against Seattle, he gets an inconclusive test. So he's going to miss that game and the Washington game. I don't know. That sounds pretty rough, especially now that we know that Bernier has been uh, dealing with some maintenance issues, which means maybe he's A-OK or maybe he is fighting off a minor injury that could get worse because he has to play more often. Mm-hmm. Like this is the sort of like distraction that Blackwood has become, despite the fact that he says he doesn't want to be a distraction when, and it, yeah, I, I get the frustration from the people who matter, Dan. I get your frustration. You can hear it in my voice. Mm-hmm. But it's frustrating because the answer to this is also very simple. Just yeah. get the dang shot already. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more we can say or do. It, it's all a matter yeah. of when. Yeah, but we can't. But we also can't ignore it either. <laughs> no, it's it's when the team is pushed to its breaking point, essentially. And so mm-hmm. hopefully that doesn't need to happen. We don't need discord in what appears to be a very fun and cohesive locker room so far. Um, right. So but speaking of broken, Dan, there's yeah. some other players that are they're possibly going to be unavailable for Friday night's. Home let's open. move from the goalies up then. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the entire second line of defense, which is broken. Severson and Smith both did not see significant time in the preseason. They were dealing with injuries. Smith's a little more mysterious. Um, we he didn't. I don't think he played a single preseason game, did he? No. And Severson we can pinpoint the moment where he was injured. He stepped on a puck and slid into the board strangely. And um, that's where he got his injury, but he's been skating alongside Bernier and wood. And that's another thing to mention. We went goalies, but Bernier, like I said, had been dealing with some maintenance, but he's skating already. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. And Severson skating now is also another good sign. He's listed as questionable for Friday, but I'm hopeful that it's jet. He he can play on um, Friday. And, to an extent, that's a big reason why you still see Colton White um, mm-hmm. among the practicing groups. He was skating with uh, Christian Yaros, another guy who may have to play on opening night when he probably should be the number seven guy. Um, first and foremost, credit to Col- Colton White. This is the furthest he's ever been with New Jersey in a camp. He's 24, so he's been at many camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it speaks to how decent he's been in preseason. It also speaks to how disappointing in a sense that guys like Kevin Ball, Nikita Kotyuk, Riley Walsh have been in preseason where, you know, you would have liked to have seen one of those younger players, you know, take the opportunity, so to speak. But instead, you know, they, they struggled a lot in uh, preseason ball, especially um, that dude needs to learn how to handle fast players. I know he can't be fast, Dan, but he's got to learn how to handle fast players. Yeah. And uh, even if true. those two guys, you know, Severson Smith, they come back, it's easy to envision, um, white as a seventh d-man as well rotating in and out it, it's not like yeah. suban siegenthaler have that six spot like locked down i think i mean it's it's them before him obviously just because contracts and all that but yeah um and he showed up well in his audition at the end of last year and he really kept the momentum up this year he said that he's playing with a more um aggressive style he's making more assertive decisions that's visible and that's something that um, you know, he's looked better this preseason. Segan dollars look better this preseason as well. And he might be in for an expanded role um, now that Severson and Smith are potentially on the IR to start the year. But the first line is what we expected the first line to be. It was crafted this offseason and it's Hamilton and Graves. And it will stay that way probably for a while. Yeah. And I will say, Dan, in the one preseason game that did happen at the Prudential mm-hmm. Center that I got to see, Hamilton is a treat to watch. Like, mm-hmm. 
you could tell he's head and shoulders better than everyone else on the fence than the Devils. Um, so look out for that on opening night. It's going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and watch him play 30 minutes on game one. Yeah, like, I, would, I would not be surprised, but, but that guy's yeah. a horse. So good for him. And again, like the defense didn't look too out of sorts. I think the main issue where they were allowing goals left and right with special teams, but mm-hmm. um, they're trying a bunch of new players on the penalty kill and power play. And those are going to fluctuate so much throughout the year. It's not even worth talking about right now, but um, let's move to the forward core because there's some interesting news that just came out from Alan Walsh, who represents Marion Studenich. And the only player that we know of that's for sure on the roster because the team hasn't released it at the time of recording is Studenich himself. He looks to have made it. Um, and that means potentially Miles Wood is headed to the IR to start the season. That's the only way I can envision this working out. Um, but yeah. that fourth line working our way back up, it's going to be now Studenich, McLeod, and Jimmy Vesey, who earned a contract with the Devils through a, a strong preseason, really uh, impressed a lot of people around the organization, impressed a lot of people, uh, impressed a lot of the fans. I don't think anyone was expecting mm. such a good showing from him you know, compared to what they knew. I didn't think VC played particularly well, but um, you could tell that the De- the devils were very interested to, you know, can you play penalty kill? Yes. Mm. Can you be on a fourth line and not embarrass yourself? Yes. Are you willing to work for cheap? Yes. Yeah. Welcome to the team. And that's fine. Um, you know, VC seems, seemed competent. Like I, I, I wasn't overly excited by his play, but that's because the role he's going to be playing is not worth it's not an exciting role, you know, he's no, not it's gonna... fourth line and penalty killing. Exactly. I mean, his PTO signing was more sensible and understandable than Frederick Gautier, who also earned a contract, even mm-hmm. though he played, he played in the Bridgeport game and he played um, in that six, two beating by our hated rivals on Wednesday that ended up being the preseason uh, closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess Mark Jankowski wasn't willing to go to Utica. Gautier was so and got, to, go. got sent down to Utica, by the way. So there you go. But no, VC should be, a, you know, for fourth line duty, fine. It's yeah. Fine. And, and so that fourth line comes together. I think it's a better fourth line the Devils have had in a little while. Um, but, you know, that's just to start the season, as, as we said. So uh, McLeod, not really a question there. And then student mm-hmm. each holding Woods place, essentially, because the mm-hmm. third line we move up and it becomes the aforementioned Dawson Mercer flanked by, as it appeared in practice, uh, Tomas Tatar. And on the left side, it was, um, oh, who was it? It was Quackenden. Janssen. Oh, Janssen. Yeah, Sorry. Yep. He was, yeah, Andreas Janssen. So this is a, this is a good opportunity for all of those players, really. I mean, Tatar doesn't, Tatar had a strong enough regular season the last couple of seasons where he he's an established scorer. You know what his skill set is. You know what he can do. Mm-hmm. He's a veteran. Mercer, this is his first big opportunity to really show what he has, and he's going to be against third-line competition for the most part. So let's see if he can really perform the same way he did um, in the preseason. And for Janssen, this has to be a bounce-back year. This has to be something that he, last year was so awful for him for a whole host of reasons. It wasn't just you know lack of ability. It was horrendous shooting luck um unbelievably bad it was he was hit by covid the second hardest on the team and it's hard to even think about that in such a short time with the amount of games the devils had to play in a compressed schedule so hopefully he's able to show out a little more with mercer uh feeding him and i'm i'm feeling pretty confident about that line being at the very least serviceable if not good 
yeah, it's definitely a step up over whatever the third line that started last season was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's notable are the names that aren't uh, among that bottom six that we just discussed. Like mm-hmm. Jesper Volkvist didn't make the team, that which is a big disappointment because this was his time to shine. Yeah. Um, but now he is in Utica where he'll do well, but he's looking more and more like one of those players that's really good for the AHL, but maybe not good enough for the NHL and that you can't really make a career out of that. Um, Nolan Foot, Yeah. Nolan foot um, also disappointed in camp, but he's 20. So, I mean, he's got a long ways to go developmental wise, but uh, you would have liked to have seen him make a push um, for a guy like Fabian Zetterlund. I thought he was going to get more of an opportunity, but, he, he didn't really do anything to justify that. Uh, but yeah, no, this is going to be a, an interesting line. Um, I imagine this line is going to be mixed up with the other two lines that we're going to discuss in a moment, mm-hmm. uh, because that's the nice thing about, about having all this talent now, Dan, is that you can, are allowed to mix and match a little bit and try out some stuff and it won't work out too badly here. It's mm-hmm. not going to be a case of, well, this guy can't play with this guy. So you're kind of stuck with this. It's like, no, we, we can move things around nicely here. So if, um, and then the other nice thing is that Mercer can play wing if, if called upon. So not that you want to put Zaka back to center, yeah. but if you needed to do it, you could. And you can move Janssen and Tatar up and down uh, as needed based on their uh, play as they demand it. I'm, I'm super confident that Tatar will be playing big minutes and scoring plenty of points. Janssen, as you said, he, he needs to do a lot more but let's talk about that top six dan so that top six uh we could just we could just present them in any order it's very unclear who the first and second line is in general i think um yeah but let, let's just call it like it appeared in practice today where the second line was um the second line was hughes sharon govich kwakanen it's a very familiar line to us they had a lot of success last year and with a step up theoretically for hughes and i mean really all of them um, they could really do some damage, especially if Hughes takes the breakout step that he's anticipated to take this year. I think that line would just, or that happening would make Quokkanen so much more effective, would give Jaeger so many more chances to score goals because he was an effective goal scorer last year and doesn't seem to have lost that at all in the preseason. No, this guy, he stood out like a stud in, mm-hmm. in preseason. I mean, as much as people were correctly praising Holtz for his shot, Sharon Govich's was almost just as good. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's not completely unreasonable to think that Sharon Govich is going to have a really big season and make uh, Fitzgerald regret giving him a low bridge deal. Um, and I think Quackenden is also in line of having a very good season too. A lot of fans, for whatever reason, want to put Quackenden on the third line for X or Y reason. But I think the guy's got the goods to make that line, help make that line with Hughes and Sharon Govich work. And yeah, his pass has been keep... sharp in the preseason. Yeah, and it's also a lot of the stuff off the puck, too, that helps keep offenses going. And that's kind of been, been his bread and butter. It's a lot more subtle, mm-hmm. but it's but there's a reason why the guy has great on-ice uh, rates when you go to natural stat trick. It's not because the guy's just leaning on Hughes and Sharon Govich. Like, he's helping to make stuff happen. So I think especially with this first game coming up with the fact that you only had the five preseason games, the devils never had that final dress rehearsal, so to speak. And even if they did play that game on Thursday, that wasn't going to be a full dress rehearsal either. Mm -hmm. It was still very much a mix of um, a devils and B devils, so to speak, or a A or devils and comets um, more appropriately. So going with what worked makes total sense. And to that end, we did see some flashes of this other line working last mm-hmm. season when when somebody was finally healthy and, and the results were tantalizing. 
He sure Zaka brat. It's Zaka, you know, the center experiment has not worked out, but the wing one was working out quite nicely. And so they noticed that. And really the the facilitator of all this was Dawson Mercer and his exciting play. That's something that, um, that that's something that allowed them to make this move with relative ease, uh, where Zaka slips onto Nico's wing and Zaka has been shooting pretty well um he he's a much better when he doesn't have to drive the line himself and so uh that's going to be exciting to see jesper bratt looks as good as ever he he's someone who um i i trust very very much to be with the puck and hopefully that leads to possession for nico more and and that's an exciting first line too that's something that has worked in an established pattern that's something that is relatively young and hopefully will be around the team for a long time so there you go um what mm-hmm. should be your 2021-22 new jersey devils at least to start the season and i can't imagine we won't see players like uh holtz and walsh and ball at some point this season but um i think for mercer and white these are arguably the biggest opportunities right now this is you know, White's in because of injuries, Mercer's in by merit, but either way, you can really lock down a spot at this point if you play your opening game as well. If you show that you deserve to be here, you showed that in preseason, keep showing it, and uh, I see no reason that that would change. Exactly, and ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what preseason and training camp is all about. It's about getting opportunities, even if it's opportunities for more opportunities. If you keep winning it, the next thing you know, you're in the NHL, you're getting paid the big money. You're getting the, you know, the higher end of the salaries and you're starting to establish yourself because guess what, Dan, it's a lot easier to sell yourself to other teams or sell yourself within the same organization. When you have some NHL games under your belt mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, y- you know, you could say I've experienced this. I know what this is like now. And now I know what it takes to stay here. And yeah, and that, that's that's an invaluable. Like that's something that you can't really teach somebody. You can do your best to communicate it. You know, you could tell us, but unless you know, neither of us are athletes. Sorry, Dan, but yeah, yeah. I'm not an athlete. You're, you're not. Wrong. Um, but also, student no. niche. This is the same situation where he had a little bit of NHL experience under his belt. He spent the off season really working on his conditioning and it shows, it shows that it's something that mm-hmm. he will not be far behind any sort of fourth line action that he is responsible for. And again, he's more holding a place for miles. I think what they're likely doing is putting wood and Severson on IR to start the season or not Severson Smith to start the season. Um, maybe Severson as well, just to be safe. And then they'll, if they're ready to go for Friday, then, then great. And if not, then they keep him there. But it's um, good for him for earning that opportunity. Good, good for him for really um, showing out ahead of the the kids who we'd mentioned, who are a bit of a disappointment in the bottom six. Exactly. And again, you know, it's a credit to him that he's you know put in the work to do that, and it's a credit that he he made the most of his opportunities, even in light of others not stepping up for one reason or another, or mm-hmm. maybe the fit doesn't work quite right. Like I'm sure Studi Nietzsche wasn't sitting there going, man, I hope I could be a fourth liner one day, but ha- now that he's been in pro hockey in North America for a couple seasons. Um, he played in Hamilton in the OHL. Um, he knows a little bit about, Hey, guess what? It, it, in life, you got to take the opportunities where they are and this is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot better than uh, hanging around in Utica. No disrespect to the Utica comments, but yeah. uh you know, he gets it's a lot. Be, it's a lot better getting paid at a rate of seven for a seven hundred fifty thousand dollars salary instead of a hundred thousand dollars salary, Dan. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah, it's <laughs> you want to be up here. For that's sure. actually student each's contract. I actually looked it up at Cap Friendly. Oh, there you uh, go. Well, yeah, you want to be up here then. You you want to make sure you are really milking this opportunity and seizing the day. And he has, and congratulations to him. Again, you can see it in his and White's faces that um, they had never gone this far in a camp. And that's something that means a lot to them very clearly. That's something that they've worked very hard to achieve. And so um, I don't know. I, I hope that it works out. Obviously I, I want the devils to do well, but um, it's hard to imagine not having room for wood Severson Smith. It's something that they have to understand why they're here to some extent, at least. So the question was then, okay, now that we've went through the roster, what we, who we think is going to make the final roster, or at least who's on it right now. Um, I think for the most part, we know who the majority, majority of the roster is. So Dan, ahead of the actual 82 game season that is going to come, how do you feel about this team? Oh, the roster has just arrived officially. So let's go through it. Um, (laughs) As as quickly as it, (laughs) it's okay. It's pretty much what we said. Injured reserve is Tice Thompson, Ty Smith, Damon Severson, and Miles Wood. The goaltenders are Blackwood, Wedgwood, and Bernier. The defensemen are White, Hamilton, Graves, Geertsen, Siegenthaler, Subban, Yaros. And the forwards are Janssen, Heischer, VC, Sharon Govich, Mercer, McLeod, Zaka, Gauthier, Kwakanen, Bratt, Studenich, Jack Hughes, and Tomas Tatar. So pretty much what we expected with a few extra names in there just because we didn't expect all four of those players to be on the IR. Yeah. Don't be super shocked if some guys get placed on waivers or they get moved up and down when those guys come off of IR. Cause um, it depends on, you can put guys on IR retroactively. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, Geertsen also making the team after being a waiver pickup for, uh, from uh, Geertsen uh, is bad. Like this isn't just me hating on physical players. Like he's not a good, this guy is just not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's slow. He hasn't, he, he has not played in the NHL before Dan. And there's a reason for that. He's not productive. He doesn't know how to defend well. He can't keep up with the pace of game, and he couldn't even keep up with the pace of a preseason game against a mostly Hershey Bears Washington Capitals team. <laughs> so if he's playing on opening night, I'm going to cringe. I don't think so. I think the injured reserve comma eligible to be activated prior to Friday is a good indicator that Smith or Severson will be fine and Wood good. will probably be fine for that game. So good. Still, congratulations to all these players. I mean, Gauthier is probably going down. There's the way we went through the roster. I can't imagine there's a spot for him. But um, you know, this is this is your look at the at the team going into this year. So uh, the Devils are really they're shaping up nicely. At least at the preseason's any sort of indication, it is something that is. Oh, Tyce Thompson is designated as injured and non-roster. So that's another thing as well. Um, he, he's on the IR, but he's a non-roster player. So I guess that's for paper moves or purposes, but, um, yeah, this is, this is the squad and the initial roster has the three goaltenders. So that's also interesting, but it's also reflective of the situation that they're in. Yeah. And, and again, it is what it is. Like every team has to deal with stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Um, some worse than others. I know the capitals are looking at uh, not having their studs for their first couple games, the Pittsburgh Penguins are—they know they—they they knew they were going to be out with, without Malkin. Now they—they may be without Crosby for the first couple games, and this is important, Dan, because the way this division is looking, 
it's going to be tight. Yeah, this is going to be a those, really tough division. This is going to be one of those divisions where I anticipate like people in March will be counting every game and going, oh man, every game counts. And it's like, bro, all those games you dropped in October and November, you just kind of hand waved away saying, eh, it's, no, it's early in the season. Eh, it's November, you know, 12th. Who cares? Like, those are the points that you're going to regret not taking in March. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of those seasons where I think within the division, given the current setup of top three teams get in, and then you have the wild card spots uh, shared with the other division in the, um, I can't remember their names, if it's the Northeast or the Atlantic, the other division, as I'll the, call it. The Floorthist. The Floorthist. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you for that, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> like every, every game is going to count to some degree. So missing a couple key players for your first couple games can be a big deal if you do not make up for them later on, or maybe you play well enough without them and get those points anyway. And then you come back even stronger. So um, this is a long, this is a lot to say that every team I think needs a good start. And I think the devil's, more than the other teams in the division are well equipped to have a good start because their first five games are at the rock mm-hmm. five games of having the last line change five games without any travel five games of practicing in your own rink five games of having the people who matter cheering you on and hopefully they're able to take advantage of that better than they did last year because they were disastrous at home yeah but they also didn't have fans you know for most of last season yes um, but, but they were I know also you're talking a disaster. About, like yeah, they, and the advantages and of being home were all pretty much irrelevant for that team. Uh, yeah, that's true. When you, when you're a bad hockey team, Dan, <laughs> it doesn't matter if pretty you get much the last rendered change. useless. Yeah, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter that much. Um, but yeah, the, hopefully they're able to come out with a little bit of spring in their step as well. And um, they do get to see a lot of interesting teams very early in the season. So they see the Chicago Blackhawks backstop by Marc-Andre Fleury this for their opening game on Friday. Um, and then next in the next week, they'll see who Buffalo, they'll see Seattle for the first time. Um, and they'll the see who else and the Capitals. So the Capitals, after going 0 and 8 against them last year, Will they will, will they be able to buck that almost immediately in a crucial division game to start the season? The Capitals are someone who has been listed as a vulnerable team. Um, they, they are someone who, if the Devils are to push for a spot, they have to win. Uh, they have to be competitive against the Capitals. They have to be competitive yes. against the Penguins. Um, they have to be competitive against the Flyers. It's, it's those spots that they're kind of pushing for alongside the Rangers, essentially. Of course. Yeah, I mean, the general hubbub, you know, the scuttlebutt, you know, the word on the street, Dan, is that there are a lot of projections are that Columbus is going to be the bottom team in this division because they're clearly in rebuilding mode. But, Dan, you and I are smart fans. We know huh. the Devils have had a lot of problems with Columbus for the past decade. Yeah. So, you know, nothing is guaranteed in this division. And you're absolutely right, Dan. Like, the Devils have to get points however they can against the team's not only against the Penguins and the Capitals of the division, but also the Blue Jackets, our hated rivals. And when they go and play teams like Chicago on Friday night or Seattle on next Tuesday or Buffalo next Saturday, like those are games where you got to get some points. Go beat up on some teams for a change. And then this way, and I'm looking a little bit too far ahead here, but you got that California road trip in early November. Dan, I'm going to spoil it for you. The California teams this year are going to suck. They're yeah. going to suck and suck real bad. Uh, LA is, is going to be like the positive side of sucking. Like this team will be good one day, but Anaheim and San Jose are terrible. Yeah. Um, the devil's got to get points out of those standings, um, out of those games. 
because if nothing else, they have to show that they're not the doormats they have been from the, for the previous two seasons. They have to go out there. And how do you do that? You go out there and get results here. So as much as I'm excited for the season finally happening again, you know, I am admittedly a bit concerned because I felt a lot like this before the 2019, 2020 season. Mm-hmm. And then the devil's face planted for the first month of that season and everything fell apart. Yes. So, and it cost Taylor Hall. It cost John Hines. It cost Ray Shero. It cost a lot of other things. So give me some wins early on devils. I, I give think me some W's. Uh, something that, you know, I, I feel much better and I know to curb my expectation at this point, winning the off season only gets you so far. You have to actually win games during the regular season. Who mm-hmm. knew? Um, but I, I do think that there is a level of optimism, not just within the fanhood this time, right? It's, you know, it's, it's, leaking through the organization it's something that with travis zajac being gone the second i think the second or third longest tenured devil is actually jack hughes himself which is crazy to think about um, you sure it's not damon severson severson's first oh and then nico well, would be second right yeah there you go so then after that it's it's it would somewhere in there i think he might be tied with zaka, severson. zaka sure but the, like in terms of um because like Hughes is not that far down that list, which is crazy no, to think about. That's that's the larger point you're trying to make here. It's yeah, like, this is still a very very young team, very young, and, and a lot of new faces and a lot of new players, but um, very much addressing the things that went wrong last season. And I would say, you know, if I had to address or if I had to acknowledge one of my biggest concerns for this year, besides the Blackwood situation, which is obviously a concern for multiple reasons, I would say it's the special teams. I think the one thing that can really derail their season incredibly quickly is their effectiveness on their power play and effectiveness on the penalty kill. It destroyed their season last year. In no small terms, those units being so ineffective cost them an inordinate amount of games. It was... Mm -hmm. 31st penalty kill, 28th power play, something like that. Really not good. Really, really were atrocious. Historically unsuccessful on the penalty kill. You you have to go back to the beginning of the NHL tracking penalty killing stats for teams to see where the Devils end up in that group. And, and spoiler alert, Dan, it's not a good group to be among. It's yeah. not good when you're compared to past Colorado and Kansas City teams. And now uh, adding a Dougie Hamilton obviously alleviates a lot of those problems, but it's, he can't do it alone. There's going to be a oh. lot of people that need to step up and a lot of people who will get a chance to step up like Dawson Mercer, um, for example, where he will be able to show his two-way prowess. That's what's been talked about a lot during the preseason. So hopefully he can um, he can really justify his presence there. And I don't see him not doing that. So um, there we go. I mean, I think we've set everything up for the most part. I think um, now we just wait for games to start and we'll address all the games as they come, as we have in the past. And uh, you know, we'll be watching them like Hawks. It's something that <laughs> it's so exciting every single year. And this year in particular, they really address a lot of crucial areas of need. So that is just going to be something that makes their lives a whole lot easier. Absolutely. So and, um, hopefully it's better than the last two. And um, that if, if they get off to a good start, I'll feel a lot better about that. Yeah. All right. So now that we know the roster, now that we know who's hurt, who's playing, uh, we might see some of those transactions we talked about as players come off the injured reserve list. And hopefully some of those players do. Um, But yeah, we're looking forward to game one of the season. The uh, the Devils take on the Chicago Blackhawks at the Prudential Center. And um, 
hopefully they start things off on the right foot. It's it's uh it's an opponent they've matched up well against historically. So mm-hmm. um, that all being said, thank you again for listening. Uh, we appreciate the time here. We appreciate you sticking with the off season and uh, we're back. It's it's time to really get going in gear here. The season's going and hopefully we're able to talk about meaningful hockey all the way through, um, you know, and past April and May. So that all being said, let's go Devils and let's see how they start the season strong. Let's go Devils. Have a good rest of your day or night whenever you're listening to this, everyone. Talk to you soon.